Hello Phoenix and welcome at the PAVE podcast created for the professional working to end the violence against women and children. I'm Marianne, your host, and today I'm honored to talk with Marije Cornelissen. Marije Cornelissen is the Executive Director of UN Women National Committee Netherlands. Previously, she was UN Women's Representative of the Netherlands in 2016. Next to this, she works as a freelance consultant for national and international institutions concerning human rights organizations, and she gives courses and workshops on lobbying EU, Leiden University, Klingendaal, and the College of Europe. Marije Cornelissen grew up in a left-wing and feminist family. At a young age, she participated in the demonstrations against the presence of weapons of mass destruction in the Netherlands. Since the 90s, Marije has been active in the Green Left Party. Between 1996 and 1997, she worked as an assistant to MEP Nel van Dijk on women's rights. In addition, she was active in the feminist network of the Green Left and she was active in the European Green Party, where she coordinated the dialogue between East and West European Greens. In 2009, she was a candidate for the European Parliament for the Green Left. The party congress put her on number three of the list, which she was deemed unelectable. As a candidate for the European Parliament, Cornelissen campaigned on social affairs, emancipation, and anti-discrimination. She advocated increased solidarity between the member states of the European Union. Unexpectedly, the Green Left won a third seat in the election and Cornelissen was elected. After the election, she became a member of the Committee on Women's Rights and Gender Equality and Committee on Employment and Social Affairs. She served as a member of the European Parliament between 2009 and 2014. Today we will discuss how to use lobby as an instrument for human rights, how Marije became a UN representative, fighting injustice as a passion, what she learned from working as an MEP, why it is ridiculous to bring the problem and the solution in women's court, and why she wants a cricket little church and a statue of a cow painted in orange. You can find the show notes, links and references at www.alianaloyega.com But because my name is quite difficult, you can also go to pavepodcast.com and you will go to the same website. Let's get started. Marije, welcome to the podcast. You are my very first Dutch guest. Not only that, but I live in the small town you grew up in. In fact, I lived for nine years behind the street where you were born. It's a small world after all. Um, what happened after you left Steens? Uh, well, I already left Steens when I was four years old, oh. and uh, unfortunately, but um, uh, my grandmother kept on living there, so uh, I've been there quite often uh, in my youth. Um, after that, I, I grew up in uh, in Drenthe, in Emmen, uh, which people might know because it has a huge zoo. Um, uh, studied in Utrecht, um, uh, then uh, uh, got to work for the European Parliament uh, for a while and uh, moved to Amsterdam for love. Um, and I'm still living in, uh, in Amsterdam now. Um, and yeah, I, I lived uh, partially in uh, Brussels for five years while I was a member of the European Parliament. Can you tell me a little bit uh, about what you do now professionally? 
Well, I work sort of in three areas. Um, so uh, one thing is uh, women's rights and gender equality, which has always been a great passion of mine. So um, we uh, uh, founded the National Committee for UN Women uh, in the Netherlands in 2016, and uh, I'm its uh, executive director. Um, so, but my, uh, my money I earn with uh, projects that are mostly in uh, uh, the realm of LGBTI rights in the Western Balkans. So I'm doing a project now to, uh, to further LGBTI rights in Albania. And there's a third uh, sector of my life is um, uh, teaching at universities um, and also at Institute Klingendal uh, in European lobbying using my experience from the parliament. You were very young when you became an assistant to um, Nel van Dijk and you worked on women's rights. What did the period teach you? What did Nel van Dijk teach you? <laughs> Well, Nell van Dijk was um, uh, a special sort of character. She's really a steamroller of a person. And she never takes no for an answer. She's very opinionated. Um, it was fun to watch her. Uh, just she was, she was also very tenacious. Uh, she never gave up. So perhaps the never giving up um, is something that I learned from her. But also... Um, uh, that I do want to uh, uh, to keep going for what I believe in, but perhaps not steamroller over other people too much. <laughs> mm -hmm. And did your passion for women's rights start uh, at that period? No, that was long before. Um, my mum was uh, uh, very active in the feminist movement. So I think I was four years old when I, or six, uh, when I first participated in a women's rights demonstration. I think it was uh, the right to abortion. I didn't quite know what abortion was, but I knew that I should have a right to it. And um, uh, so, yeah, I, I basically grew up in the women's movement and um, have always, in one way or another, worked um, uh, uh, in the field. Now, you stated on your LinkedIn page that you have a passion to make a concrete difference for people in a vulnerable position. You use your experience in local, national and European politics to find ways to get things done. However, undoable it seems, and I really like that phrase. Um, you're an expert in lobbying. And how do you make the undoable happen? <laughs> um, well, lobbying is basically um, uh, a case of uh, trying to get the same message uh, uh, from as many angles as possible to your target. So, um, yeah, you want somebody to either change their uh, opinion or to vote in a certain way or to do something. And... Um, so then I, t I try to think uh, who could influence that person. So in the parliament, um, it just depended on, on whom it was. If you have a, a socialist from Denmark, you know that uh, trade unions will be extremely important to, uh, uh, to influence them. So I would uh, contact the Danish unions, then try to get them to tell their uh, MEP to vote a certain way. Um, and yeah, just just find as many buttons to push as as possible. <laughs> it sounds like so much fun. Um, how did you become a UN rep rep yeah, representative in 2016? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, that was, um, I, I'd always wanted to be a member of the European Parliament. Mm. So, um, um, yeah, after, after I came back, I, I actually became it uh, a bit um, uh, accidentally um, <laughs> in 2009 already. I mean, the master plan, plan had been to, uh, um, uh, to get into the parliament at age 45 or, or 50. Um, <laughs> and I was on the completely unelectable third place of the GroenLinks list. Um, but suddenly we, um, uh, we got, the, got this rest seat from a list connection with another party. And um, so, yeah, on the, on the election night, my whole life uh, changed. <laughs> and um, so, of course, I went, uh, had a ball. Um, it was really wonderful. Uh, but then I came back and I'd already done what I uh, most wanted to do. I'd fulfilled my life's dream. <laughs> but there was a whole rest of the life to, uh, to lead as well. <laughs> so I started looking for other challenges. And um, then somebody suggested um, uh, this uh, UN Women National Committee. Um, there were already some initiatives years before to uh, uh, found a national committee here. But... Um, uh, that never came through. And I thought, oh, yeah, sure, that's what I'm going to do. Well, now, after the European uh, um, level, I'm now going to go to the UN. And um, uh, I also became a UN women's representative to give the, uh, uh, the National Committee a push. So uh, the Dutch government, um, uh, on, on advice from the Dutch Women's Council, uh, appoints a women's representative each year. Uh, and it's just basically uh, a vacancy that you can uh, write a motivation letter for. And um, so I was really happy to get that. And um, uh, it was an extremely useful year for networking and setting up the um, UN Women in the Netherlands. And did I understand you correctly that you started the United Nations Women in the Netherlands? Yes, yeah. So uh, UN Women is uh, the um, uh, UN agency for women's rights and gender equality. Uh, so we have our headquarters in New York. Uh, there's field offices from which uh, uh, projects are done in uh, 60 countries, mainly in Africa, Asia and South America. And there's 15 uh, national committees. And so what we do is um, uh, try to get the Women's Rights Treaty uh, implemented in our own country and also to uh, raise funds for the work of UN Women Worldwide. And um, yeah, so our neighbouring countries already had one, and the Netherlands still not. So um, uh, yeah, therefore the initiative started, and um, uh, together with a group of, uh, um, of very enthusiastic women, we managed to set up. And, um, but... You think, well, the Netherlands doesn't have a United Nations women um, sector yet. And how does something evolve from there? Yeah, we basically started talking to uh, a lot of uh, people and institutions, um, so other organizations in the women's rights movement uh, of the Netherlands, um, people from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, um, and yeah, just set up uh, a strategic plan and then got recognition from uh, the headquarters in New York. Um, so then we could found, um, uh, with the help also of the municipality of The Hague, where we're uh, officially uh, settled. Mm -hmm. 
so yeah, it took about a year from start to finish, uh, um, uh, from when we had the first talks and when we could um, uh, launch the organization. Can you tell me a little bit more about uh, Hifushi? Yes, this is one of uh, our main um, uh, uh, campaigns as UN Women. Um, basically, well, in 2014, it was launched uh, by Emma Watson, uh, who's a goodwill ambassador for UN Women. And um, she did this marvelous speech in uh, the General Assembly of the United Nations. And if you haven't seen it, then definitely uh, look it up on YouTube. I watch it at least every three months or so. This is just brilliant. And uh, what she did um, was call on boys and men to join the struggle for gender equality and women's rights. Saying, well, we can't change the world if we leave uh, a half of it uh, outside of the discussion. So uh, please do join. And by now, um, about uh, a million and a half uh, men and boys worldwide have joined uh, as a Hifushi champion. Um, we work with uh, um, CEOs, uh, government leaders, uh, university leaders that um, have all done pledges to do whatever is in their power to uh, further gender equality and women's rights. And uh, what we do in the Netherlands is... Um, we had our uh, Hifushi Arts Week uh, this year for the first time in Amsterdam. And um, uh, so this is a week full of um, um, art, yeah, just performance art, uh, but also uh, uh, paintings. Um, uh, there was photography and so a whole week of events uh, somewhere around uh, gender meant to look in a different way at uh, uh, the position of women or the... Um, uh, uh, how men and women um, uh, correlate to each other um, because we're as, a, as an NGO used to uh, try to convince people with figures and facts and, um, uh, and, and arguments and uh, touch them in their heads and um, so with the Arts Week we're trying to touch them in their hearts through art and yeah it was brilliant fun it was one of the first um, uh, big uh, uh, gender equality events that had over half men uh, involved as artists or speakers and uh, yeah we were extremely proud and we're doing it again in 2019 and um, between now and 2019 are there any extra activities coming up Yes, the, basically the, the, the Women's Rights Year consists of uh, two major events. Uh, of course, the 8th of March, uh, International Women's Rights Day, which is uh, the time that we do the Hifushi Arts Week. And the other big event is the 25th of November, which is the International Day Against Violence Against Women. And um, uh, the 25th of November is the first day of 16 days of global action uh, against violence that ends on the 10th of uh, December, uh, which is International Human Rights Day. And it's really big worldwide, um, but not so much in the Netherlands yet. So we're trying to, uh, uh, to get some buzz going, to get other organizations also to, to join the campaign and um, uh, uh, take action and ask uh, um, attention for this problem. 
And one of the things that happens is that uh, worldwide, all kinds of landmarks and buildings are lighted up in orange. And uh, so the, the, the Sphinx in Egypt and the Niagara Falls and the Brandenburger Tour and, well, just 90 uh, uh, countries are participating now. And this year, we'd, we'd like to try to get um, uh, something lighted up in orange in every province in the Netherlands. Ooh. So uh, hopefully, uh, uh, Friesland will participate as well. What do you hope that in Friesland uh, will go orange? <laughs> uh, all the hope, uh, of course. <laughs> I knew. It. Yeah, which is a crooked uh, a little church tower, which they stopped building, I think, 300 years ago because it was so crooked that it would fall down if they finished it. <laughs> and we will uh, put a picture of the old hove uh, in the show notes so that people can see what it looks like. Very good, yeah. Or Usmem, which is a statue of, of, a, of a cow <laughs> called Our Mother. So perhaps that's quite fitting. That would be nice. <laughs> Maybe we can do both. Um, can you tell me a little bit um, about Orange the World? Uh, yes, yes. So Orange the World is this worldwide campaign. Um, there's still so little uh, attention and very little funding uh, to com combat um, uh, violence against women. So um, uh, UN Women has this uh, Orange Fund. Um, which is the biggest uh, uh, fund worldwide to uh, uh, to do projects against violence against women, um, but still, even so, uh, only four percent of uh, eligible projects can be funded. Mm. So only four percent. Ninety-six percent of projects need to be rejected, and um, yeah, this is partly because a lot of governments uh, don't want to give anything. Um, for women's rights in general. I mean, Saudi Arabia gives 20 million per year to UNICEF and zero per year to UN Women. Uh, but also even the, the Dutch government, uh, it's also, I think, 21 million to UNICEF and four to UN Women uh, and two to the Orange Trust Fund. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's much more, more difficult to get um, uh, funding from governments uh, for women's rights issues and especially violence. Um, so what we're trying to do is um, uh, also raise funds from individual donors and companies that do care. Are they, there any activities coming up um, for Orange the World? Um, yeah, so uh, uh, in every country it's different what they do. So there's, there's street actions in, uh, in some countries, there's um, uh, film showings in others. Or, um, and yeah, so what we're, we're going to try is to have uh, these buildings lighted up in orange. Mm -hmm. We also are, are looking for a sponsor to um, buy, I think, around 300 orange ties and 80 orange scarves to send to all the men in the, in the Netherlands to ask them to take a selfie and to pledge their um, uh, allegiance to the fight against violence. Um, also to, to yeah, spread the word out throughout the country and not only The Hague and Amsterdam uh, and Utrecht as always is, Rotterdam, mm -hmm. let's not forget that. Um, so yeah, uh, they, those are the, the two main uh, actions and um, we have the website orangetheworld.com. NL, 
and we're hoping to there collect um, uh, all the other activities done by other organizations uh, throughout uh, the country. So Emancipator is uh, the organization um, uh, for men and uh, gender equality and they always have uh, some sort of white ribbon uh, action around the 25th and um, so yeah we want to publicize that as well. Oh, that sounds very interesting but with all these activities going on how do you balance being a mom and doing all that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have two beautiful boys uh, the eldest is now 10 and the youngest uh, six or six and a half as he likes to say <laughs> and uh, yeah they're they're brilliant and um, yeah I, I can juggle that because I'm a freelancer basically I was um, partly forced to become a freelancer because um, people don't tend to want to hire uh, former politicians um, but they do want to uh, to hire them uh, as freelancers fortunately uh, which means that I can just make my own time so I work when I can and um, even though divorcing is not fun um, being divorced as a mum uh, helps quite a bit too so um, uh, the children are just this Friday again as every other Friday off to their father for a week and uh, so I work my ass off uh, in the week that they're not there and then uh, am uh, uh, fully available as a mum in the other week. Oh. One of the few upsides of, <laughs> of divorce. <laughs> well, I remember being single and having two boys and uh, I was lucky to have babysitters. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can imagine that it's very busy and that you work harder when they are not around so that you can be fully present when they are. Mm -hmm. uh, I admire you for tackling all those activities. When you are old and are looking back to your life, what do you want to have accomplished and what is the desired outcome of your work? Um, yeah, I hope to have made some change in, uh, uh, in people's lives and especially vulnerable groups. Um, and yeah, so the things that I'm most proud of uh, um, are, uh, for instance, helping on, on the Western Balkans, uh, the six countries that want to join the EU. And um, as a member of parliament before and now as a, 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 a consultant, um, I uh, try to, to further women's rights and uh, LGBTI rights. And uh, I noticed that it does make a difference. So there's more people coming out as LGBTI. Um, there's um, uh, more of a chance for women to, uh, 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 to, to, for instance, talk about domestic violence. Um, when I first came there in 2009, there was hardly any discussion and it was a bit of a taboo subject. Now it's high on the agenda in, uh, in most countries. And um, yeah, so really proud of my contribution to that. Yes. Which was also with, in the sense of, of lobbying, just hammering it in again and again <laughs> and uh, getting all kinds of ministers and other parliamentarians and uh, commissioners, uh, European commissioners, to also uh, bring the same message and hammer in that these things are important. That mustn't. I, I think that's something you really enjoy, doesn't it? Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> and, and is it the kind of a passion to do so? 
Yes, I cannot imagine uh, not doing this. Um, um, yeah, the, the uh, protecting vulnerable people and ha helping uh, uh, fight against injustice uh, is just a part of who I am. And um, I, yeah, I can't ima imagine um, sort of working in a corporate job and uh, not working on this. Um, I'd, I'd wither and die, I think. Well, the change that you make in the lives of others is um, such a reward, imagine. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't earn very much <laughs> in monetarily, but uh, uh, it earns so much in uh, yeah, satisfaction and knowing that you can, uh, can make a difference. Yeah, that you make a change. What are currently and professionally the most pressing issues or challenges you face? Yeah, you, you talked about um, the Balkan, and, but are there other um, pressing issues that you face and how do you overcome them? Well, on on content, um, I think the the yeah, basically the most fun uh, uh, challenge is um, to get men and boys involved. I think that's that's vital uh, for change, and also uh, in uh, in combating uh, violence against women. Um, we have uh, the project Safe Streets. Um, which is to uh, uh, engage municipalities to fight against street harassment. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, we all know uh, uh, years ago, um, the way of fighting street harassment was to tell women what to wear, to tell women where not to go at night, to uh, tell women to bring a rape alarm, to tell women to not go out uh, by themselves at night. And um, uh, so fortunately, that's already changing a little bit. Um, uh, but the next step needs to be that we talk to men and boys, because it's, of course, ridiculous to put the problem and the solution in uh, a women's court, um, whereas it's a, it's, it's a common thing. And it's so interlinked also with um, ideas of masculinity, uh, boys trying to prove their masculinity towards each other um, and engaging in street harassment uh, because of it. Um, so we really need to start um, uh, talking especially to pubescent boys about these issues, about uh, what the effect of what they're doing on the lives of girls is, um, and also uh, to to get girls um, uh, to talk to them, to um, uh, to know that it's very often not even about them. They're just sort of the object of um, a, a group uh, dynamic between boys. And yeah, as if, if we can make pubescent boys understand that, I think uh, that could really um, uh, make a big contribution to combating street harassment. Because there's now just a, 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 a number of uh, researches have been done into street harassment in the Netherlands, finally. And it's 84% uh, of women who uh, experience it. And that's a rather high figure. But personally, I think the other, what is it, 16% is lying. I don't know of any women whatsoever that have not experienced street harassment. No. So, yeah, it's a huge thing. And, it's, uh, uh, and combating it really needs boys and men involved.
Absolutely. And um, can you share with me a touching experience um, regarding your work? Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's so many to choose from. Um, well, um, yeah, perhaps from my work as a parliamentarian, uh, uh, um, that I, I got to write this uh, uh, report in the European Parliament about women's rights in, in the Balkans. And um, what I did to uh, break with tradition was to address each country individually and just give them uh, a list of tasks that they needed to, to do. So Kosovo, you need to open a hotline uh, for victims of uh, of domestic violence. Uh, Serbia, you need to um, uh, implement the rules for uh, a, a, a political quota for women. Uh, Croatia, so every country got, got its own list. Um, but yeah, it was an initiative report without any legislative uh, uh, weight. And usually what happens is that it's voted and everyone applauds and then it goes into the bottom drawer and nobody looks at it again. But um, after this report, um, uh, I think it was a year later that I was invited to a conference in Podgorica, the, the capital of Montenegro. And I got there and one uh, woman after the other just came up to me from women's rights organizations in the region and said, oh, that report really helped us so much. Because um, what they did was just take the report, um, not emphasize too much that it wasn't a legislative one, and just beat their own governments over the head with it and uh, uh, managed to get so much done of all these action points. Uh, um, and they'd already helped uh, um, uh, writing the, the, the report, of course. Um, so I got about 200 uh, uh, women to participate in writing the report. And these same 200 women just took it and ran with it. So that was just so beautiful to see uh, what um, uh, a group of determined women can do. Is there a way we can support you? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, especially uh, UN women. Um, as I said, uh, funding for women's rights is a problem. Um, and also for us as sort of um, uh, a startup, uh, still quite small uh, UN women organization in the Netherlands, what we mainly need is uh, donations from individual donors, from women and men who uh, care about uh, these issues. Um, and yes, we also need to spread the word about our work. Um, so following us on, on Facebook or Twitter and uh, posting um, and yeah, just telling others about the existence of you and women, the work it does, um, uh, just finding out about it, um, uh, participating perhaps in uh, Orange the World uh, or If She Arts Week activities, that would be absolutely brilliant and uh, um, would very much uh, help the work that we do here and worldwide. Well, I share the links in the show notes so that everybody can look you, you up uh, online. Great, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, what is something that you discovered that changed the way you look at things? Mm, um, well, um, 
perhaps that uh, um, I, I'd been, when I, when I was 40, I, my term in the European Parliament ended uh, in 2014. And I had been active in politics uh, since I was 20, so the half my life by then. And uh, I was always used to uh, uh, people being argumentative uh, at parties or just um, uh, challenging and um, uh, trying to, to uh, get into heavy debates with me about anything, really. <laughs> and then I, um, uh, yeah, uh, just left politics behind. I'm, I'm no longer active now because I don't think that's compatible with the function at UN. Um, but now, and suddenly people just were so much nicer. <laughs> and if you are uh, the, the director of a charity, people are really wonderful. Like, oh, oh, that's wonderful. That's great. What do you do? And they just applaud <laughs> what you're doing instead of uh, criticize everything. And I just never realized how negatively politicians were viewed. Because for me, um, I've just had the same message uh, since I was six. <laughs> and I'm just sort of bringing it from different angles myself, from whichever position I, I have at that moment. Uh, so for me, I'm the same. But people tend to view politicians very differently from uh, um, regular civilians. <laughs> so perhaps that's also... Uh, uh, um, a plea for people. Uh, politicians can really be nice people <laughs> that really do want the best for the world. <laughs> they are not that monster that you might imagine. <laughs> no, exactly. Nice. Um, did you recently read a book or documentation or research? You had the Art Week, of course, so maybe from something from there uh, that inspired you. And uh, no, that's the question, really. Mm -hmm. um, well, yes, in the Arts Week, there were quite a number of uh, uh, wonderful events. Um, there was this marvelous uh, um, uh, theater uh, piece of um, uh, three uh, actresses, among others, the uh, uh, quite famous uh, uh, Dutch feminist Simone van Sarlos, uh, who made this, um, uh, uh, this show together with, uh, with two others. And it's called Holy F. And in this case, the F stands for feminism. And they basically take you on this roller coaster ride throughout the history of feminism and uh, all the, 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 the difficult questions uh, about intersectionality, about yeah, whether to involve men, about um, uh, can uh, white women also further the rights of black ones. Uh, and um, all kinds of, of questions came by in such a hilarious but also um, a very high quality way so I think it's ended by now um, and uh, won't be showcased because uh, the Arts Week was al already a, re, um, uh, a retake of it but um, yeah if you ever get a chance uh, um, and it's ever shown again then so go see Holy F <laughs> and because uh, um, something that I very much dislike about the women's rights movement is um, 
the number of uh, the, the, those people that uh, uh, criticize others for not being feminist enough, for not having the right opinion, for um, uh, selling out when working with men, for instance, for whatever. I mean, sometimes I think we don't even uh, we don't even need men uh, uh, to. Uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> to oppress women, because we do a fine job of it ourselves. And luckily, a large part of the women's rights movement is also not that way. And I think uh, there's a place for everyone within the movement. And um, uh, uh, again, the lesson of lobbying, bring the same message in as many ways as possible. And for some people, that's um, aggressive and argumentative. For others, it's humor. And for a third, uh, it's it's taking action or doing something um, uh, practical, uh, doing voluntary work. So uh, to each their own. And um, if people are inspired uh, by your story and want to work for the United Nations, what is the road they could travel? Um, well, yeah, the uh, UN, of course, uh, uh, has has a number of vacancies across the world, so you could uh, uh, have a look at the uh, the website. Um, in the Netherlands, we're a, a complete volunteer organization, so uh, we have a wonderful group of uh, uh, very active volunteers, and um, so yeah, that's a, that's a possibility. Uh, uh, to to volunteer, uh, but also perhaps to uh, to take action in your own uh, 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 network, to um, donate your birthday to UN Women and uh, um, get your friends and family to to donate for the causes, to set up an action, to um, participate in a five k run or forty two if you want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> With a UN Women T-shirt, so there's loads of things that you can you can do, and uh, yeah, what what would help us most is uh, is to gain more name recognition of UN Women, to get more uh, attention for the work uh, that we do in the Netherlands and worldwide. So anyone who could uh, help with that, uh, extremely welcome. And um, we have one final question. Um, can you share a quote or something that will encourage the listener in keeping up the good work? Yeah, I've, uh, I got this question before, so I had to, uh, a chance to look it up. Um, and I chose a quote from uh, the uh, worldwide executive director of UN Women. Uh, she's called Fumzile. She also has a last name, but it's so complicated <laughs> that nobody <laughs> tries to, uh, to pronounce it. We always call her VED, executive director. <laughs> <laughs> to um, to avoid having to pronounce it, <laughs> but she is uh, she's a wonderful person. She uh, used to be a minister in uh, in South Africa and was um, always at the forefront of the African women's rights movement. And what she said in 2015 in her International Women's Day speech was, "We are the first generation with the possibility to end poverty." and the first generation with the possibility for fundamentally changing the power relations between men and women. And these are two sides of the same coin. They propel each other. 
And I really believe that is true. Uh, we cannot um, end poverty. We cannot end war without women involved uh, and without empowerment uh, of women. They are half of, uh, of society are usually for for seventy percent uh, uh, responsible for uh, food security in the world, and uh, if we are ever to uh, uh, to end poverty, then it must be through women. I would like to end the show with uh, those words from you. Thank you so much for being a guest, and um, thank you for the uh, before we quit for the invitation for the uh, for the arts week. I really enjoyed uh, watching uh, the movies. <laughs> Grace, and <laughs> um, thank you for being uh, open and honest on the show, and um, well for your time. Really? Okay. Yeah, very happy uh, to be here and uh, thank you for having me. Marije, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. It was very inspiring to speak with someone with such a drive and passion. And I want to thank the listener too for tuning in. I think that one of the wisest lessons in this episode is that walls are made to be broken, goals are made to be achieved. We just have to be persistent and find creative ways to do it. You can find the show notes, links and references at pavepodcast.com. We will be back with another episode of the Pave Podcast. If you like this episode, please give it a rating in the iTunes store. You can also check us out at pavepodcast.com where you can find the show notes, more about the guests on the show, more about women's rights, information about my personal life story and how we can overcome adversity. While you are there, make sure you sign up for the newsletter. Until the next episode of Pave Podcast. Let's work together and rise like a phoenix.